lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I am your embattled host here today with Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393 is the number. We're going to have our Monday Town Hall, and we are going to open up those phone lines next hour on the show. How confident are you that we're going to have a somewhat reasonably clean election here in about 40 days? <laughs> yeah, I know. But I had to try. I had to try. No, that's that's the question. I want to know what you think. We're going to talk about that coming up uh, a little bit later on because it, it certainly ties into what we're going to be talking about here in the very first hour of the show. Steve at SteveDace.com is how you can email us. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show Parlor at Steve Dace. And the last name is D-E-A-C-E. Check out our new YouTube page, youtube.com slash Steve Dace. And don't forget... Pre-sales for my new book, The Novella Sequel to a Nefarious Plot, are underway right now at Amazon.com. It drops December the 15th, just in time for you to give my kids a good Christmas. It's called A Nefarious Carol. That's the name. And I could use the help right now. I, I am your embattled host. In the last, what has it been, three weeks yeah, I can't remember when the garage door happened. Yeah, it, it's in the last four weeks then. Yeah. In the last four weeks, I've had to replace the garage door. It broke. Middle of the day. I had um, a false alarm with our carbon monoxide detectors at 6 a.m. And we had to call the, the power company and everything else and evacuate the home. Turned out to be a false alarm. This morning I wake up to a backed up sewer grate. So, is this poltergeist stuff? I, I don't know, man. I don't know, but frankly, after all of this, I gotta sell some damn books. <laughs> right? I ain't gonna lie. Let's move some merch. That's right. I gotta sell some damn books after all this. That's three major repairs or two major repairs now, and one that I thought might have been like you know a major casualty event. Okay, that I wasn't planning on this year as 2020 has hit the Dace household. I mean, maybe at this point the roof caves in. I don't know. But um, I'm thinking I'm getting stung today live on the air. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that's going down. Especially since they actually sprayed for those again. So that's, that's the perfect day to get stung. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Now they're really mad. And so they just come after me because I, I am I am the ant and the world is the boot at the moment. I'm like, I'm like afraid. Phone rings. I get a text early in the morning. I'm like, I don't want to answer that. You ever had a run like this? Not that I can remember. I mean, I've got other things Not going on. I could ownership. mention, I won't, but that, that, that there's a lot going on in uh, Dace World right now. A lot. So I'm here. I'm on the wall, but I'm playing hurt mentally and emotionally. But I'm here for all of you. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, Bob Vanderplatz will join us. Next hour, I mentioned our Monday town hall. But first, here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. 
What happened while we were away brought to you by good news and bad news. The good news is that the pandemic is over for all intents and purposes in media and to a lesser extent in government. The bad news is that the most 2020 thing to ever 2020 happened over the weekend. Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg died on Friday after a long battle with complications from pancreatic cancer at the age of 87. Leftists most predictably reacted as leftists do. Holy you guys! I'm driving your car, but I just got a notification that Ruth Bader Ginsburg died! F Could this year get any f***ing worse? President Trump, after completing an entire rally in Minnesota, having not heard the news, reacted, having probably one of his most presidential moments in his tenure. She just died? Wow. I didn't know that. I just, uh, you're telling me now for the first time. She led an amazing life. What else can you say? She was an amazing woman. Whether you agreed or not, she was an amazing woman who led an amazing life. I'm actually sad to hear that. I am sad to hear that. Thank you very much. After spending less than five minutes remembering the life of the former justice, the national conversation naturally, predictably, and probably rightly turned to who would be her replacement. In her farewell note, Ginsburg said, quote, My most fervent wish is that I will not be replaced until a new president is installed. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell promptly released a statement on Friday night, making it clear he intends to hold a vote on whoever President Trump nominates. AOC, your thoughts? I need you to be ready. I need you to be ready. This is a man who does not care about a dying woman's final wish. Congressman Joe Kennedy tweets, if he holds a vote in 2020, we pack the court in 2021. It's that simple. In an interview with Nancy Pelosi, ABC News's George Stephanopoulos suggested something that nobody else had talked about. That, that you and the, the House could move to impeach President, President Trump or Attorney General Barr as a way of stalling and preventing the Senate from acting on this nomination. Well, we have our options. We have arrows in our quiver that I'm not about to discuss right now. That's totally legit, bro. But to be clear, you're not taking any arrows out of your quiver. You're not ruling anything out. Good morning. Sunday morning. <laughs> the, uh... Senator Ted Cruz made his case for why the president needs to nominate and the Senate needs to vote on a replacement for Ginsburg. This has happened 29 times. 29 times there has been a vacancy in a presidential election year. Now, presidents have made nominations all 29 times. That's what presidents do. If there's a vacancy, they make a nomination. What has the Senate done? And there's a big difference in the Senate with whether the Senate is of the same party of the president or a different party of the president. When the Senate has been of the same party of the president, a vacancy occurs in an election year, of the 29 times, those are 19 of them. Of those 19, the Senate has confirmed those nominees 17 times. So if the parties are the same, the Senate confirms the nominee. When the parties are different, that's happened 10 times. Merrick Garland was one of them. Of those 10, the Senate has confirmed the nominees only twice. The two leading candidates for President Trump's pick have emerged as 11th Circuit Court of Appeals Judge Barbara Lagoa of Miami and 7th Circuit Court of Appeals Judge Amy Coney Barrett. Much chatter was had on Twitter over the weekends regarding the two women's stances on key issues to conservatives like overturning Roe, amongst many other things. I made this helpful chart to help you understand what people are saying about either one. The left thinks Barbara Lagoa is literally female Hitler. Some conservatives think she'd be a solid 
vote to overturn Roe v. Wade, while other conservatives think she's not a solid vote to overturn Roe. The left thinks Amy Coney Barrett is literally female Hitler. Some conservatives say she's not a solid vote to overturn Roe, while other conservatives think that she is indeed a solid vote to overturn Roe. In their Senate confirmation hearings, both Barbara Lagoa and Amy Coney Barrett indicated their belief that the lower courts to which they were appointed could not overturn Roe. So there's that. Leftists have already begun to intimidate senators. A large crowd of extremists gathered outside Senator Lindsey Graham's D.C. residence this morning and made a bunch of noise. Moving on and checking in on Joe Biden. And perhaps, most cruelly of all, if Donald Trump has his way, the complications from COVID-19, which are well beyond what they should be. It's estimated that 200 million people have died, probably by the time I finish this talk. Marshall University professor Jennifer Mosher has been suspended by the school after she made these remarks about Trump supporters. I am so frustrated and just, I don't know what else to do. I, you can't argue with them, you can't talk sense into them. Um, I, I said to somebody yesterday, I hope they all die before the election. Um, that's the only that's the only saving hope I have right now. Checking in on Portland, where independent journalist James Klug conducted a series of man-on-street interviews asking residents what they thought about a Trump supporter who was shot and killed by a leftist anarchist a few weeks ago. So the f- what? He got shot. Is he alive? Uh, I believe he died. Oh. Tough luck. Don't be a f- Trump supporter in Portland. And finally, the COVID hotline. Pandemic hotline, how can I help you today? Uh, Yeah, I've got a question about the PCR test used to diagnose COVID-19. Now on the actual packaging of the test, it says this test should not be used to diagnose COVID-19. So is there any problem using it to diagnose COVID-19? No problem at all. Makes sense, but it's a little confusing. Cool, but just to clarify, if the test comes back negative, you have it. If it comes back positive, you have it. Why why even have a test kit? Well, that way you'll know for sure you have it when you maybe have it. Have a great day. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's Montage brought to you by Patriot Mobile. While the left embraces cancel culture, maybe it's time that um, we should give them a taste of their own medicine. You can cancel your leftist supporting cell phone provider and make a switch to America's only conservative cell phone carrier. That is Patriot Mobile. They share your values. They're never going to charge you hidden fees. And unlike big mobile, they won't sell your hard-earned money or send your hard-earned money to Planned Parenthood or other leftist causes. So get the same reliable nationwide service, but support a company that loves the country, shares your values, and supports our Constitution. Switching is easy. Keep your phone number, bring your own phone. You can even buy a new one. And right now, when you join in their family of freedom-loving Americans, you get a free activation plus a free gift with the offer code STEVE. That's a free activation plus a free gift with the offer code STEVE. Veterans and first responders save even more so. So make the switch today. Call 972-PATRIOT. Again, that's 972-PATRIOT. Use the promo code STEVE when you call that number 972-PATRIOT or visit them online at patriotmobile.com slash Steve. PatriotMobile.com slash Steve. Oh, get your customized plan starting as low as $25 a month, too. At PatriotMobile.com slash Steve. Those two videos that you had back-to-back in the montage there. 
with the woman just melting down. Why do they post these? Like, because these get posted a lot. Clearly, this level of psychosis, there's there's affirmation oh, to, yes. to express this. It's the Karen principle. It, I would it, like never think to do this. It's righteousness. I mean, I would like it. never think to do something like this. Even even on something I have like a deep um, you know moral conviction, I'd be like, you know, everybody's got to. I, I give people enough ammunition. Wouldn't they just laugh at me for this? Well, why wouldn't you if your the self was God? I mean, really, it's their crucifixion. I emote, therefore I am. It's, Maybe I should listen to my own analysis, right? I've been saying that for years, right? What do we have in our church? I mean, it, certainly as Catholics, but it, we have crucifixes. Look, look, there's God. They they do this because they want you to see God. This is their sackcloth and ash. Yes. This is an act. This is an act of this is this is contrition, remorse, right? Interesting. And then, first of all, it's it, it's an all time great song. All right, "Tiny Dancer" by Elton John. But to have that blaring in the background, and the president is finding out. I don't think that's where he found out, but he had probably just had found out when he goes over to talk to the press, and um, he's more than gracious in that in that uh, situation off the cuff, you know, uh, with a very presidential answer. And you have Elton John's tiny dancer blaring in the background. I, I mean, I just, it's 2020, man. Like nothing can just happen normally. Nothing. We were sitting around here. What was it? A couple of months ago. What would take this year over the edge? What would, what would, blow this thing up this what would be the the final match to strike on our our cultural powder keg and we threw a couple of things out there and one of them was what um some sort of vacancy yeah Yeah. a, a vacancy on the u.s supreme court would do it and of course the we didn't want to just come right out and say it but the most likely scenario now, now there had been rumors that Alito was thinking yep. of retiring earlier this summer um there's been rumors that Clarence Thomas may you know be retiring in the next year or so but overwhelmingly especially because she had a cancer diagnosis for a year and hid it from the country basically so she's been fighting um a lethal form of cancer for a year and a half and we only found out about it like six months ago, like in February, I think is when we found out. <clears throat> but um, the natural connection would be she'd be the most likely candidate given her age. What is she? 80, she was 86, 87 years old, I believe. Yep. And then on top of that, a very lethal form of cancer. And she's had a myriad of, of health issues. Did you see that? I did not. Unbelievable. Is there a wasp? Literally just had something just drop right down in the middle of the show. I cannot make this up, guys. I cannot make this up. <clears throat> I, I mean, it's just, I'm on a good run of bad, of bad luck right now, Clint Beck. I mean, this is unbelievable. Don't come to my house. I'm like friggin' jinxed. <sighs> what was I saying? Oh. We threw out that this would be one of the things that would take the year over the edge, right? Here we are, 40 days before the election, 
And it just so happens to be, in many respects, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is the left's Scalia. Whether you agreed with her or not, and about 98% of the time, I did not. She is not a clown. She, this, is a, this woman is serious, was serious. <clears throat> Pardon me. She was, she was a serious intellectual. Um, you would read her opinions and they would have intellectual weight behind why she ruled the way that we didn't want her to. Frankly, she had better opinions often in terms of intellectual thoughtfulness than, than some of her conservative peers, particularly Anthony Kennedy, who often just made decisions by feel or what I wanted to be true. And this would be a fifth vote on the direction of the court. Right now, what you really have, it, well, when you had Ginsburg, <clears throat> pardon me, what you had was four to four with John Roberts deciding um, in his role as, as gatekeeper slash chief justice, that he would often be the tie-breaking vote. And Roberts would often decide based on his personal view of what would cause the least amount of political backlash, collateral damage, um, civil unrest, upheaval. I don't agree with his opinions, by the way. I'm just telling you what I believe his opinion of his opinions are. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Then I, I believe John Roberts views himself as <clears throat> the guy that's standing between us and Fort Sumter. That he's the anti-John Brown, if you get the analogy. John, John Brown was trying to instigate this conflict. He was, he was trying to bring a conflict that he thought was long overdue to a head. And he didn't view himself as any kind of domestic terrorist. He viewed himself as the guy, as, as sodium pentothal. He was truth serum. Hey, we're going to get here anyway, so let's get busy living or get busy dying. That's how John Brown viewed himself. John Roberts views himself as the anti-John Brown. That, that y'all are the John Browns. And he's the one trying to keep, he's, tr he's the one standing athwart these divisions in the culture. And so when it's an issue like bake the cake bigot, he says to the rainbow jihad, can't go there. When it's an issue on immigration or some kind of cultural issue that we want to play offense on, he says to us, can't go there. He views himself as the one trying to balance the scales here. Well, this appointment is going to tip the scales, actually. Now, Brett Kavanaugh is at best Anthony Kennedy. Neil Gorsuch is at best a smarter, more reliable, better Anthony Kennedy. Um, Alito is a pretty good conservative. Clarence Thomas, obviously, is the Scalia era parent. But that's four non-communists on the court. I don't think Kavanaugh is any kind of a conservative, but I don't view him as a communist either. Okay? Like, I don't think Hillary Clinton would appoint Brett Kavanaugh. I just think Donald Trump should not have. <laughs> All right? Those are two different things. Okay? So you have four non-communists and four communists. Well, now you have three because Ruth Bader Ginsburg has passed away. And she was the intellectual plumb line. 
She was the cornerstone there. She, she made real arguments as opposed to her ideological successors that largely have not. So this next appointment tips the scales. If they're any kind of non-communist, it moves the court to the right. Now, it might move it from here to here, not very far to the right, but it's going to tip the scales. It's going to tip the scales towards the right. And that, I think, will have an impact on tipping John Roberts, because now he doesn't have a fourth vote on the left to balance. You see what I'm trying to yeah. say? He doesn't have that now. Doesn't have, a, doesn't have enough communists to balance with. So it's going to move John Roberts to the right, too. Won't be as far right as we would like him to go. I'm not saying that. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Won't be. But it'll be further to the right than John Roberts was 48 hours ago. And it will move the court further to the right more than it was 48 hours ago. That is not debatable unless Trump comes out with a David Souter, and that's not going to happen. Court's going to move to the right. The only debate's going to be how, how far. But moving it to the right will not be up for debate. Quick agree or disagree on that? No, I agree. Okay. So, with all that said, and I don't care about Senate decorum and neither do you. We don't care about tradition, none of that crap. We're in a fight for the survival of our way of life. I don't care about what happened in 2016 with Merrick Garland. There's, I don't care about Senate collegiality. They, they did the right thing not confirming, confirming Merrick Garland because letting Barack Obama appoint Antonin Scalia's successor would have tipped the court to the left for a generation. That, had been, that, that was checkmate. So... We're in a civil war. I don't care about, well, you know, you did this last time, so we should, I don't care about any of that. Now, if I didn't think we were in a civil war, I would care a great deal about that kind of stuff, right? Well, certainly more. But, but, but since I think we're already in one, I don't care. I, I, don't, I don't care about promises, vows. I don't care about any of that. The future of the country is at stake. That's the prime directive. Preserve our way of life, period, end of sentence. That's it. Not confirming Merrick Garland can uh, pre- help preserve our way of life. Confirming somebody in replace to move to the right of Ruth Bader Ginsburg helps preserve our way of life. So whatever is in preservation, because preservation, what's another word for preservation? Conservation. What's another, what's a root word of conservation? Conserve. Conserve. What are we? Conservatives. Conservatives. So whatever preserves, conserves our way of life, that is what we are for on this show. Period. And appointing the successor and confirming her does. And there's three reasons. There's more, but especially these three. These are the top three reasons Republicans must not just appoint, Trump's going to do that by the end of the week, but confirm Ruth Bader Ginsburg's successor, and it must be before the election. Here is number one. Conservatives have been waiting four decades for this very chance, and we may never get it again. May never get it again. I know there's some thought out there, hey, leave this up for the electorate. It'll drive out turnout. That's a hell of a that's a hell of a gamble to play with the future of the country at stake. Not to mention you didn't build a wall, you didn't repeal Obamacare, and now we're not gonna appoint and confirm Ruth Bader Ginsburg's successor. Tell me why I would even give Republicans a Senate majority again then. You went 0 for 3 on the big ticket items of 2016. You went 0 for 3? No, can't do that. We may never get this chance ever again, ever again. This would be a generational mistake 
generational to pass this up. This must be done. This is the last issue that conservatives have held on to the Republican Party. And that is judicial appointments. To miss this opportunity, a once-in-a-generation opportunity, the Republican Party would die, and it would deserve to. Number two on this list. The Supreme Court was the issue that drove Trump to a surprise victory in 2016. 25% of Trump's voters said judicial appointments was their most important issue. And among all voters who said it was their most important issue, Trump won those voters by 15 points. If Trump does not put out that list from Heritage and other groups, if he doesn't say at one of the debates last election that he will appoint justices that will overturn Roe, he does not win, period. And you need all those voters again this time. And maybe more of them. Punting on this and not getting it done won't get that done. This was the number one. If immigration won Trump the nomination, judicial appointments won him the general election. And number three, and this isn't being talked about enough, frankly. The country cannot afford to have a 4-4 deadlocked Supreme Court heading into an election that's likely going to end up in the courts. About six hours before we found out Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, who knows when she actually did. But about six hours before we found out, a judge in Michigan ruled, one of the key battleground states, a judge in Michigan ruled they can just keep on adding votes weeks after the election. Similar ruling was made in Pennsylvania recently, another key battleground state. Any result other than a Biden clear landslide on November the 3rd is ending up in the courts. To have this a deadlocked Supreme Court four to four creates an appellate nightmare. So with a deadlocked court, the previous appellate decisions would stand. Well, what happens when one federal court in one district says these votes count and a federal court in another district says they don't? That is a recipe for chaos and even more social upheaval than we've already seen in the streets. There must be a clear, defined verdict at the Supreme Court, even if it is five to four. We cannot have a deadlocked Supreme Court heading into an election that's going to end up there. That is playing with a powder keg in traffic in front of down power lines while the, while the pavement is wet. That's asking for a disaster, cruising for a bruising, begging for the Banana Republic to emerge. The Republican Party must do this. There is no other option. It must stand up and do this, period. Gentlemen, your thoughts. I think number three is a bizarre silver lining of sorts the fact that we have the potential for that level of electoral chaos because when i was talking about it with my wife friday night when this news broke i if it was not for that i would have genuine concern about number one and trump believing that letting this sit until after the election would be 
Uh, you mean mining this for votes? I, I would yeah. have great concern if it was not for the likelihood of three. I think they cancel each other out. But what a bizarre silver line. Because who wants that level of electoral chaos to have to concern themselves with? Yeah. Then that was my initial. That was my initial reaction after this. It's I, I gave it an eighty-five percent chance that they would not even allow a vote because that's the most Republican thing ever. Yeah. Have a, you know hold this over your voters, over your bases' heads in order to get them to vote for you. That's the that's the most Republican thing ever. But you're right, Todd. I mean, this the the, the bizarre convergence of events here has definitely made it likely. And it would be really nice to have Doug Collins' seat right now, but I saw a breakdown the other day, even without Murkowski, Collins, uh, and potentially Romney as well, it sounds like Republicans with Pence as a tiebreaker would probably have enough votes to be able to confirm this this judge, this justice, before we before we get to the election. And it has it absolutely has to happen. Well, it's because of this the precedent that the Democrats set last time that they no longer were good. They were, they were going to abandon Senate collegiality and you no longer needed 60 votes to confirm a judge. Right. Right. They, the, the, the Democrats made that choice under Harry Reid when they were in control of the Senate the last time they set that precedent. Republicans need to take advantage of it right now. We may never get this chance ever again, ever again. We're going to talk about that issue and where it could go with our good friend Bob Vanderplatz here from The Family Leader in just a moment. But I want to reiterate again the third point because I don't think it's being made enough. Going into an election that's going to be contested in the courts with a deadlocked Supreme Court, you are just asking, asking for zany hijinks and civil unrest to ensue. More in a moment. We welcome back our good friend from the family leader, Bob Vanderplatz. Good to have you with us, brother. How are you? Doing really well. Glad to be here. I know that... Uh, you're doing a lot of uh, organization and things around the country uh, for the election here in about 40 days. But when you heard the news Friday evening after a protracted battle with cancer, uh, which they hid from us for a year, let's not mm-hmm. forget that. Uh, they hid that diagnosis from us for about a year. I think it was February or March when they finally came clean about it. Um, but uh, after a protracted battle with that, as well as a myriad of other health issues that you typically have when you're 87 years old, mm-hmm. uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passing away on Friday evening. When you heard that news, your immediate thoughts were what? Well, my immediate thoughts went right out to the Ginsburg family, friends, and also thinking about her legacy. Um, although I probably didn't agree with her on a lot of issues, uh, I did respect the way in which she addressed issues. And it would be uh, hard to say that she was not a trailblazer, a uh, historic figure, and and so her passing was a couple things. One is like, wow, I can't believe it happened right now. And kind of then immediately kind of like, is this the October surprise um, that, you know, now you got to deal with Ginsburg's passing. There's a Supreme Court vacancy open. And how does this change things electorally? Uh, right away, I went to the idea that this is a huge opportunity for President Trump uh, in regards just to appointing another justice to the Supreme Court. Uh, you have the Senate. We have control. Uh, so his appointment should be confirmed. And I think that a president in one term gets to appoint three Supreme Court justices, 
along with 200 other federal justices to the bench. Uh, that's a big deal. And so after, you know, thinking about uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's family, friends, uh, the mark she left uh, in this country, her legacy, it went into, you know, you really can't write this stuff uh, in the midst of an election that we're discussing that now you have a Supreme Court vacancy. And it's an opportunity for President Trump. What it does politically, I think that jury's still out yet on what it does politically. You know, she could have left during Obama's second term. She was already well into her 80s sure. at that point in time. She chose not to. Um, I've actually seen some lefties come out and point that out here in the last couple of days. She made the decision to hold on and kind of put them in this position. But um, I, I sort of compared her a few minutes ago that... To the closest thing they have had on the court in my lifetime, the the other side to a Scalia, meaning somebody who takes the intellectual gravitas of their of of, of their positions very seriously. Let's face it, with leftists, we don't typically see that. Um, typically, it is um, a worldview predicated on emotion, desire. Um, I, I start with the outcome in a situation I want, and then I just reverse engineer the argument I need to get me mm-hmm. to the point that I want to go. Right? Like, if you look at the you look at the way that um, Elena Kagan handles herself on the court compared to um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I mean, she couldn't hold her jockstrap. Frankly. Sure. Okay. But but she's more in line with what you typically see from leftists. They just come up with it's it's what I want to be true. It's what I want the decision to be, and so it doesn't matter what your intellectual weight is. Um, I'm just going to disregard it. She actually tried to make intellectual arguments against the rule of law, the Constitution, but but she was an intellectual heavyweight. I think that's why she had a lot of Scalia's respect. Yeah. I think Scalia, Scalia respected her, frankly, more than they did in Anthony Kennedy. Well, there's sort of, and I think it's why people of of intellect wanted to visit with her. They wanted to discuss with her. I saw in an interview uh, last night when they were going over some of her. Her her interviews uh, while she was a justice, she talked about why she does not get angry or emotional because she believes that's when you lose the argument. Would that be kind of nice to see today that if, you know, why get emotional? Why get angry? Why set things on fire? Because then you lose the argument uh, instead of saying, let's have a let's have a real discussion and let the intellectual weight carry the day. So I, I don't care. To, in my viewpoint sure. is, and I've been saying this for the last couple of years, I think we're in a cold civil war. So I don't care about Senate collegiality, tradition, sure. what you said last time and this time. And I don't I don't care that the parting on the left is now the parting on the right and their beards have all grown longer overnight. I don't care that the Republicans <laughs> are now all saying the same things Democrats said four years ago about Merrick Garland sure. and Democrats are all saying the same thing Republicans said four years ago about it. I don't care. We're in a war for the survival of our civilization. I don't, I don't need any other reason other than Merrick, you damn well, don't take my vote and vote for an Obama appointee to, to replace Antonin Scalia's seat. Period. End of sentence. That's a once in a gen- that's a generational mistake. If you make mm-hmm. it, we don't. We cannot come back as a movement if they make that mistake. Sure. This, from an opportunity cost standpoint, same thing. Very generational thing. mistake. If you do not fill that seat for, with 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 uh, with a Trump appointee. I don't believe it'll be somebody as bad or squishy as Kavanaugh, but even if you did, it would still tilt the court to the right. And I want to get your take on this because I explained it before you came on. What you have right now on the court is you have four com- four hard communists 
and then four non-communists that really look like the coalition that is the Republican Party. You have Brett Kavanaugh that's a complete and total small P progressive Karl Rove kind of a squish, right? You have uh, Neil Gorsuch that is your intellectual libertarian, okay? You have Samuel, Samuel Alito who is a... Uh, a fairly conservative judge, but not ideological. And then you have Clarence Thomas, who steps into the shoes of, of Antonin Scalia. He's rock solid. Yeah, that that is that. But doesn't that kind of look like the coalition sure that is does. the Republican Party? All right. The other four justices are just all some variation of of Marxists, which is looks like the coalition that is most of the Democratic Party. Right. Presiding over this, you have John Roberts, and you have to see people the way they see them, not just the way that you project on them. John Roberts does not see himself as some kind of conservative sellout. John Roberts sees himself as the, and I use this analogy before you came on, as the anti-John Brown. That if John Brown was rolling around in the late 1850s trying to instigate the conflict that he thought was long overdue, okay, the Civil War that we just kept lying to ourselves we weren't going to have, mm -hmm. John Roberts views himself as the anti-John Brown. That, hey, you guys want to get nuts on immigration and abortion, I got to hold you back. Hey, you lefties want to get nuts on bake the cake big and all this stuff, I got to hold you back. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. He views himself as the guy stopping Fort Sumter from happening. Well, the problem with that he's going to have now is with disappointment and confirmation if they do it. He no longer has a tie to break. There aren't four communists versus four non-communists anymore. It's five non-communists versus three communists. This will move the court to the right, no matter... Unless it's a David Souter bad pick, and it won't be that. But even if it's a Brett Kavanaugh squish pick, it will move the court to the right to some degree because the dynamic that John Roberts has been presiding over has now changed. And then anything better than Kavanaugh, when you start, get, if, you get into, if you get another Alito, now you're really moving it to the right. If you get another Thomas, now, now, now you've got a wingman. Okay, Iceman is now flying with Maverick now. Mm. All right. And the power of the arguments they're going to make together makes it almost impossible for John Roberts to 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 find some way to, to hold them back because he doesn't have a fourth vote, even if he wanted to do that. Right. This changes the dynamics of the court for the foreseeable future. If the, this is the opportunity we have waited for my entire career, all of your entire career, if Republicans do not take advantage of it. I am confident Trump is going to make an appointment, and I'm confident it's going to be, an, based on what I'm told, an appointment better than Brett Kavanaugh mm -hmm. was. The, this, so this comes to the Republicans in the Senate. You didn't build him his wall. You didn't repeal Obamacare. If you fail at this once in a lifetime... Now, I would trade replacing Ruth Bader Ginsburg with a good justice over the wall and over, over repealing Obamacare. I'd make that trade. Would you make yep, that trade? I would definitely make I that trade. I would make that trade. If they fail here on this, this party's dead. Dead. Dead on November 3rd, probably dead for the foreseeable future. They must deliver here, Bob. Without question. And I think what it is for people are saying they're, they're throwing the integrity flag. And you can throw the integrity flag on both sides. You can throw it on Chuck Schumer, who said we need to have a vote. We need to push Garland through. You can push the integrity flag on Lindsey Graham, who said absolutely not. We're not going to do this. We won't do this in a Trump presidency, so to speak. The fact of the matter is, if we just cut to the chase, this is politics. And winners get to decide. Trump won. He's the president. He gets to a point. The Republicans won control of the Senate. They get to make a decision on to confirm or not to confirm. They darn well better confirm. If they did not confirm, what happens to Lindsey Graham in South Carolina in a 50-50 race right now? He's toast. 
the same way with maybe a Joni Ernst in a very competitive race, yeah. as well as others. They will lose the Senate. Matter of fact, it will be Trump's people that deliver the loss to the Senate. They need to follow through on this. This is an opportunity where I believe Trump could be the most consequential president in our lifetime. Three Supreme Court justices, 200 of the federal bench, moved the embassy to Jerusalem, the Abraham Accords, and the list goes on in one term. He needs to seize this moment. And the reason I say that is that say he gets defeated by Joe Biden on November 3. I'd say it's a landslide defeat. They're not repealing three justices from the Supreme Court. They're not moving the embassy back from Jerusalem to Tel Aviv. They're not redoing the Abraham. There's a lot of things that have been done that they can't undo. That's a good thing. That's why they need to seize this opportunity. I know Trump will push them at every level to make sure that they do. And I really believe what you're going to see, Steve, I believe they're going to confirm the appointee. And you're going to see several who are going to act like Jeff Flake, wringing their hands. I didn't want to do this. I don't want to do this, but I'm going to vote yes, because it's a good appointment. The other factor in this that I don't think, let's let's move beyond our um, ideological uh, preferences. And look, let's just look at the reality of the situation we have. Ironically, cosmically, providentially, the same day we find out that Ruth Bader Ginsburg has passed away, a judge in Michigan rules. They can just keep on adding votes for weeks after the election. A similar ruling had already taken place in Pennsylvania. Um, to go into, if, if, there's, if we come out on November 3rd with any result other than decisive Joe Biden victory, I believe this thing is ending up in the Oh, courts. without question. Remember, you take a look at 2000. If we, didn't ha- if we had a court the way the court is right now, mm-hmm. you probably still don't have a president today. Okay. The thing is, is that, first of all, counting the votes well after Election Day, that's nonsense. If they can't certify and have those votes counted by close of polls, in my opinion, they should not be counted. It's a recipe to throw this country into chaos. Well, it's how, Al, it's, it's how what's his face from SNL got to be, a, I can't remember his name, Al. Franken? Yeah, Al Franken. Thank you, Todd. Sure. It's how Al Franken, remember, they found a whole bunch of ballots in a car or something. I, I'm just telling counted you. Counted those. Yeah. As a country, left or right, Republican or Democrat, you don't want that to happen. That's you want why those we votes can't have, counted. You can't have a 4-4 deadlocked court. Right. If you have a 4-4 deadlocked court, the appellate, the previous, appellate, my understanding is the previous appellate rulings stand. They do stand. At that point. So we have a federal, we have a federal district in the South that says you got to throw these votes out. So Florida, that's a, that, and North Carolina that are battleground states down there, we throw those votes out and they don't count. Mm-hmm. We, get a, we get a federal court in the northern part of the country, Michigan, Pennsylvania, uh, Wisconsin, says them. we have to count them all. And we yep. have to keep counting them. All, all we found out on Election Day was how many votes we need to win. We just keep counting until mm-hmm. we get there. You, want, you, you, you think you have seen social upheaval and civil unrest this year? Have that occur. Oh, guys, and you'll see it on steroids. And I think what you're seeing already, matter of fact, uh, I saw Don Lemon respond to this uh, on CNN when Dana Bash brought up to him that they're now saying you need a you need to fill the vacancy because of what could happen in the election. And Don Lemon laughed it off like, are you kidding me? Joe Biden is lawyering up right now. Donald Trump is lawyering up right now. Why? Because they believe this vote could be that close. It could be that contested that it will go all the way to the Supreme Court. And you sit here with a 4-4? That's just absolutely nuts. It will be a disaster in this country if that happens. So let's talk about this now strictly from a political lens. This is, this is a godsend for the Trump reelect campaign. 
because we, we, we now know with the name of the COVID vaccine, we still will likely never, ever get. We now know what it's called. R-B-G. Do you know what COVID is? Remember COVID? Wasn't that cool? Gone. And nobody's gone. talking about it anymore. And, and I haven't turned to CNN. They're not talking about it. First of all, anything short of um, that Mexican judge coming from Trump's mouth that takes COVID off the news is good for his reelect, number one. Okay, but number two, we now are in an issue environment where leading up to this, we were already like, hey, man, the covid panic was great while it lasted. What what a great spring. And we had taken those unemployment checks, but they've run out now. I got to get back to work. Kids want to go to school and they're driving me nuts. So, you know, thanks for the summer loving Sandra D. Back to Rydale. High we go. (laughs) I got to get back to real life. Okay, we were already in that conversation. But now then but now we've got that conversation plus judicial nominations. And as I pointed out before you came on, you go to this last election, one out of every four people that voted for Donald Trump said it was the most important issue and why they voted for him. One out of four. Amongst voters who said judicial nominations was their number one issue, he won those voters by 15 points. If immigration won him the nomination, judicial appointments is what won him the general election. So we're in an issue wheelhouse that he, this is, he wants to have this conversation. And it's and they, they, I think they already know who they're going to pick, or at least I'm confident they're down to a handful of names, two in particular that they want to pick. They could make this pick today. They can. Amy Coney Barrett was a finalist the last time. Mm-hmm. They, they, she's already been fully vetted. They can make it tomorrow. Why wait and do it on Friday or Saturday? Because you've now milked an entire week of headlines that are that are even if they're nasty, terrible. You guys suck. We hate your nominees. He's fine having this debate because this debate favors him so you milk this thing for an entire week because you get a whole week of covid's out of the headlines lockdowns out of the headlines every and remember anthony fauci wrecked him barely knew him and it's just all about the judicial nomination and just as this is in trump's wheelhouse this is you know basically a gold mine for him uh it also is certain to make the democrats outkick their coverage they're going to start doing things and showing that they're willing to do things to stop this nomination that the American people are going to go, so you're going to impeach Trump because of this now? Yeah. Because Ginsburg died. Now oh, you're going to you're going to do all. The, so when they outkick their co- coverage and it's in his wheelhouse, it's a win win for him. They're in a difficult situation because they this they know what this nomination means and they have to oppose it. But if it is an Amy Coney Barrett or a Barbara Lagoya before the election, they're going to go on parade and try to destroy someone who represents one of the two key demographics that's going to decide this election. And that is suburban women. That's been their target with Trump all along. That's who Amy Coney Barrett represents. And the other is they're underperforming Hispanics right now. And that's what Barbara LaGoya represents. And for them to be seen in public this close to the election, trying to essentially Bork or Kavanaugh, one of those two special interests before the election, I don't, I don't, this is a bad, if it's one of those two individuals politically, it puts them in a very difficult spot. And they're already on record of saying, when we win, so if Trump does this and they confirm an appointee, when we win, what are they going to do? They're going to stack the courts. They're going to change the rules of the game. Yeah, they they're won't gonna be, they're, the they're, they're going to claim they can do that. But, but they won't even be able they, to. when they Quickly. say they do that, they're all kicking their coverage. Agreed. It, it just, it, it's more radicalization. Yeah. I agree. Bob, good stuff. We'll come back, open up the phone lines next. Stay tuned. We're back 
with Hour 2, and the phone lines are open at 888-900-3393. That's 888-900-3393. Steve at SteveDace.com is how you can email us. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. That's D-E-A-C-E. That's how to spell the last name. Over on Parlor at Steve Dace. Check out our new YouTube channel as well, youtube.com slash Steve Dace. And if you're a podcast listener, we love you every bit as much as we do those who subscribe. But we need you to do a couple things for us. If you wouldn't mind, if you haven't done this yet, click the subscribe button wherever you choose to podcast from. And then leave us a five-star review. Uh, wherever you choose to podcast from as well. If you haven't done those things yet, please keep them coming. Uh, Those of you that have, it's been thousands upon thousands of you. Thank you very much. The more of those we get, the more it helps the show to grow. So thank you. All right, the phone lines are open at 888-900-3393. That's 888-900-3393. We have two questions we want to ask you this week for the Monday Town Hall. I'm going to add one. I, I would be... I would be remiss if I did not open it up to conversations about the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the timing, the battle over her confirmation. If you have thoughts on that, we'll get to those and entertain those as well. But also, how confident are you in our election process, given some of the legal precedents that are being set as we speak in places like Michigan and Pennsylvania, the battle over mail-in voting, things of that nature? What say you? 888-900-3393 is the number. That's 888-900-3393. The Monday Town Hall is underway. And part one is brought to you by Rough Greens. You know, one of the reasons we take so many supplements these days is because a lot of our food is stripped of the stuff we need the most. The vitamins, the minerals, the nutrients, the live cultures, um, the the uh, omega oils, pre and probiotics. We take those things as supplements nowadays because they have to be put back into our diet because they're stripped out of our food in order for it to be produced for a long shelf life and mass production. Same thing happens to our pets these days as well. So where would they get a great supplement? How about Rough Greens VitaSmart? It is not a dog food, but a dog food supplement that you sprinkle on the food your dog already loves that's also been stripped of all that good stuff as well you put it in there it makes the food they love love they love it even more at least that's the case with our dog cap he loves this stuff but it puts all the stuff that you want for them to thrive more than ever before for a healthier skin coat higher energy levels all of that good stuff it puts it right back in the food and you can try it right now 14 days Get the Jumpstart Challenge going in 14 days to see if you don't see a difference in your dog in 14 days or less for just $14.95. When you go to roughgreens.com slash blaze, R-U-F-F is how it's spelled, roughgreens.com slash blaze. 888-933-93 is the number. The phone lines are open on the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And also, uh, the fight now to nominate her successor. President Trump says he's going to name her successor on Friday or Saturday. And then it'll be up to Mitch McConnell to get that person confirmed. He says there will definitely be a vote in the Senate to confirm this judge. And it will be before the election. Earlier in the program, I laid out the three reasons why I think this must be done. You can comment on those if you'd like. But I think it also ties into the the general confidence you may or may not have in our election process. I think we're looking at 2,000 minimum, 
2000, year 2000 levels of court challenges to this outcome if it's anything other than a decisive Biden victory, which is another one of the main reasons why I don't think you can have a 4-4 deadlocked Supreme Court. So how confident are you in our voting process? 888-900-3393 is the number. Let's begin down in the state of Georgia with Terry. Terry, welcome to the blaze, sir. What say you? I say thank you for uh, thank you for everything. And uh, I have no my my two things tie in together. I have no confidence in regards to the integrity of our election process because for one, look at all the things the Democrats have tried to do with uh, with uh, General Flynn, with them trying to rig the election in favor of Hillary Clinton, with them not prosecuting anything for that. And because of all the things they have tried to do, and you look recently with the, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court trying to saying that you can count a, you can count mail-in ballots three days after the election, and they just totally threw out the Green Party candidate from the ballot, and that completely illegal, completely beyond the law. The courts have no jurisdiction in that. It's a completely it's, it's the legislator is entirely responsible for that, and they completely disregarded the law and did that by fiat. Well, because there has been no pushback and consequences for the Democrats in regards to the riots, in regards to the COVID lockdowns, they're just going to go all out. They've come this far. They've come this far, and what's to stop them? They, they have nothing to lose because there has been no pushback from what they've already accomplished. And they've telegraphed this for years of where they were going. And it used to be like if you called them socialists, you're like, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. Oh, you're crazy. Oh, you're just a, a reactionary or something. Well, now we know what's going on. We know where they're going. And I tell you what, I, I, Trump is not going to save this country by any means necessary. But if he, we have to have him in office just to forestall the, the, the train that's headed our way. Because we have to buy time to organize. and Because we're at a Stalingrad moment. Okay. Where the Germans on the Eastern Front are headed toward Moscow, and this is this is in regards to the Republicans, because the Republicans are at fault for doing nothing to provide consequences for the Democrats and the left. All right, thank so, you for the call, Derek. Appreciate on it. The Eastern Front. Thank you, gentlemen. Your thoughts on Terry's call? Well, he the essence of it is why would they stop? There's nothing to stop them. I absolutely agree with that. Uh, they tried. Coo- I mean, Peter Strzok was just on Meet the Press last week. Talking well, Trump but, Russian assets, but he was in a jail cell when he. Wait, no, he no, wasn't. Yeah, yeah. No. And we always talk about almost the opposite is true of what they're uh, accusing people of. Well, here they want that level of appearance. They're the ones who are trying an ideological uh, a coup, a practical coup. But if they can somehow get Trump to wear that himself in the eyes of people like he he won't leave the white house he's illegitimate we have very low information voters they can be seduced in many this is ways another reason why he needs they need to confirm this person exactly to take that off the table exactly okay i totally agree with that let's go to skip in nebraska skip welcome to the blaze sir appreciate your phone call what say you uh thank you for taking my call uh some interesting things that i'd uh, come up with on the uh my internet news uh Sources uh, on uh, WND World Net Daily. Uh, there is uh, Brent Smith uh, making comments on Cloward and Pivens. 
again, creating a, the election chaos with all the different types of voting. Now, just, it, let it, me step in for just a second, Skip. You, you, pardon me. You mentioned the two names. I want to make sure our audience knows what you're referencing. Okay, Cloward and Piven were married Columbia professors um, back in the day that believed America would never voluntarily embrace uh, a nanny state, would never voluntarily embrace some neo form of Marxism or socialism or collectivism. And so with their strategy, it became known as the Cloward Piven strategy. And because he was a student at Columbia and it seemed like that was what Obamacare strategy was to do, was to destabilize the private uh, healthcare markets, health insurance markets, in order to create the need of urgency for a single payer plan. The Cloward Piven strategy was to destabilize free markets and, and individual autonomy by overloading the system so that people People then, when it crashed, would have no alternative but to turn to government in order to pr- to provide some form of normalcy or infrastructure. That's what you're referring to. I just wanted to define that. Go ahead, sir. I'm sorry. Um, yes. Uh, an- another item on Front Page Mag was a very interesting 18-minute commentary on a book by a gentleman named Manning Smith, an African-American. Uh, the book is uh, the... Uh, Uh, commentaries from 1969. Uh, The book was written over 60 years ago. He was a dedicated communist who uh, left the party when he realized that the communists did not care anything about African Americans, that they were only uh, uh, being used to advance the uh, Marxist-Communist philosophy. And uh, evidently that seems to be what is behind Black Lives Matter is Two of the Black Lights uh, founders are on tape. Correct. As, We've uh, mentioned that before, Skip. What does that have to do okay. with the questions we're asking today? What are your thoughts on those? Um, I, I just think that uh, things are uh, getting to the point where um, no matter what happens with the election, that things are going to be drug out so far uh, that uh, hopefully we can get a conservative uh, justice named uh, a four uh, to four uh, tie in the uh, Supreme Court, I think, is just going to lead to just a lot of chaos as far as the country's concerned. Okay. Um, Agree, Skip. Thanks for the call, brother. Appreciate it. And yeah, we have we have mentioned before. Um, one of the co-founders of Black Lives Matter just openly admits that they are Marxist, openly admits that. By the way, today, uh, that, that About Us page on BlackLivesMatter.com, where they talked about disrupting or destabilizing the Western prescribed nuclear family, Mm -hmm. Uh, that's gone poof. That's gone away. So they finally, after it got brought up for three months, finally decided to get rid of it? Yeah. That just, that's another confirmation. The poll numbers have, uh, are going south on that organization. Let's go to New Jersey next. And Tyler, Tyler, welcome to the blaze. You're on the air, sir. Oh, wow. I actually got on. That's awesome. Um, one, I want to say thank you. I, I really appreciate your broadcast. I've listened to you for probably two years now, and you're probably the only religious aspect of my life, and I actually enjoy your Theological Thursday, so I appreciate That's that. That's very kind um, and gracious. Thank this, you very much. This Supreme Court justice is going to be very essential. What nobody's talking about yet, and I think it, it's the shady dealings that's going on currently with New Jersey, um, the Phil Murphy just put an executive order out where he's banning all in-person voting. So 
I just found this out yesterday. My aunt was telling me she actually called the, the election committee and she, she, she confirmed this today. But I'm a Republican. I voted Trump last year. And I want to vote in person because I don't believe the mail-in ballot system. So I threw out my mail-in ballot because I'm going to vote in person. So now I'm sure there's many others like me who are going to throw out their mail-in ballot because they want to go in person. And now the, the governor signed an executive order that we can't go in person now. So, I mean, nobody's covering the shady dealings that's going on. And I'm sure New Jersey's not going to be the only state that does something shady like this. No, I don't unfortunately think that it will be uh, the only state that does something like this. And it goes back to what Todd said. Thank you for the call, Tyler. What Todd, you said a few minutes ago, ultimately, what are the consequences for this? To me, the most overrated political figure in America is Attorney General Bill Barr. And, and I don't I don't think it I can't think of a close second. All this guy does is give sound bites. They don't ever do anything. Where's Vinman is still just running around spewing stuff. Strzok is still just running around spewing stuff. Remember this that remember that Durham investigation that he launched that was gonna you know go after the people that plotted the coups and all this kind of stuff. Dude, all I just see is people getting book deals and cable news bookings. You see anything else? One guy, one one guy did get arrested. That did happen. One. Think he acted alone? Lee Harvey Oswald. Did you just show up at? Did you just show up at the deep state? depository with a big bag and call it curtain rods. Yes, I'm totally doing this act completely on my own. I mean, come on, man. What does the guy do? What does he do other than talk? Do you know what he does other than talk? No. Does he talk a good game? Dude talks a good game. No doubt, man. Dude has game. But then he doesn't do anything. Okay. He talks a good game, and then when it's time to do something, well, it's like TL, fire up TLC scrubs. Nothing happens, man. Nothing happens. Well, who's, to be fair, who's his boss? True. Haven't we had this conversation before but, but, on some fronts? Dude, I mean, th- that's true, but his boss has done a hell of a lot more than he has. He's done well, nothing. He, I mean, Trump will at least do the stuff he can directly do. Like, he can directly move an embassy. He, can, he will do stuff he can directly do. He won't spend any political capital outside of what he can directly do. Bill Barr won't even do what he can directly do. I'm not even playing making a defense. I'm just simply playing devil's advocate. If you've seen how this White House works with others, like in his mind, maybe he's saying this is the way I can be most effective. Even if he wanted to be effective in other ways, the unpredictability of Trump on any given time. I, so you I, don't think Trump wants the people that tried to throw him out of office prosecuted? I you know, I know that seems so obvious, but we've also seen him say things on Twitter and we're like, where's the follow-up? Like, the, uh, where's the tyrant? You've hoped for that? Like, I don't get it. Authoritarian. It's, it's, it's not hope for the tyrant. No, no, no. You're but right. I that wanted, was my fault. I, I have fault. wanted more authoritarian yes, out of Trump that, when I thought I'm, that was going to be my main that, complaint about totally, Trump. That's yes. totally my fault. That's, that's okay. The, yeah. the, the attitude of knocking things over, breaking some things, you know? I I don't know if this is a guy who's just decided the rhetoric, the red meat, that seems to what works for Trump. He likes it. Let's face it. Trump likes that stuff. No matter how much he's done, he likes that stuff as much or more. So I don't know. I am not making a defense of him. I'm just saying at this point, four years in, I don't know. I think Bill Barr is the most overrated political figure of the year. 
I, that's one of my dace group year, first of all if we make it that far that's one of my dace group year-end roundtable answers book it most overrated figure of the year bill barr period let's go next to raymond here in iowa raymond welcome to the blazer go ahead hi thank you for taking my call um my my concerns over the election and i'm kind of go back and forth on it like between and, and, and i'm not insane but i feel like i'm going insane half the time because now that's what a person who's insane would say <laughs> i'm sorry raymond go ahead go ahead i'm just kidding with you go ahead i look at the i go look at the poll numbers and they're out of whack i have no idea what they're saying because one poll number is 50 points for biden the next poll numbers whatever and then um i watch people like candace owens or brandon tatum these black people who are moving this black conservative movement and it looks like they're gaining tractions with along with people like dave rubin who is doing other things so that's why this this election is is so mind-boggling and Another thing is trying to figure out what the heck the Democrats are doing. Uh, it, there's some days I think that they're committing political suicide, and then there's other days I think they're being Machiavellian and, 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 and being intelligent. It, it's it's driving me insane, it, and partly because I'm an Iraq war veteran. So I, I seen when I was in Iraq, I seen this stuff firsthand uh, on the ground with their politicians doing God knows what, and, and it it just feels like we're like heading that direction like we're just heading to like as a country let's just commit suicide because one party wants power and the other parties i hate to say it the republicans are just inept they they're like stupid half the time so yeah <laughs> i mean yeah you're right so you're, you're, everything you just said is true except one thing raymond thanks for the call they're not stupid they don't agree with you and me they just don't agree with us. And the one saving grace we have in how radicalized Democrats have become and out in the open is it has forced Republicans to do some things they typically would not have done. Like it was not typical for them to refuse Merrick Garland four years ago. It would not be typical for them to uh, ramrod a, a nominee through for the Supreme Court in the middle of the final furlough of an election. That's just not how the Republican Party behaves. But the radicalization of the Democrats has has forced, it has, has radicalized more of the GOP base and, and has made the GOP base less inclined to put up with the perceived stupidity of, Demo of, of Republicans which wasn't stupidity. It just was they didn't, most of them didn't, particularly the ones in control, just don't agree with us. That seems like a good time for this question. How much are you looking forward to having to come to the defense of Lindsey Graham in the next 40 days? You On know, a scale of one to 10. Which, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I will say this. This thought occurred to me this morning. Guys, you know, I, I loathe Mitch McConnell. Loathe. Loathe. I mean, did everything I could with what limited resources I had at the time to help um, Matt Bevin beat him in that primary. I loathe Mitch McConnell, but guys, what are we going to do if Mitch McConnell ends up being the guy that stopped Barack Obama from putting 
another neo-Marxist in place of Antonin Scalia, and then aided and abetted Donald Trump in replacing Ruth Bader Ginsburg with any kind of non-Marxist, but maybe like somebody who's actually good. What are we going to do with that? Let's cross that bridge when we get there. In other words, won't that be a good, is, is that a good dilemma to have? Is yeah. that what I hear you saying? Yeah. I mean, but it, does it cancel out all the other times he's just been dishonest, stabbed us in the back? If you nail these, if you stick no. the landing on these no. two things, does it cancel any of that stuff out? No, because if he had done, if he had not done all those things or been a better senator on every other front, we wouldn't be in this position. That's an argument. That is an argument. I agree with that. All right, so I'm, I'm doing a thought exercise here in real time while we're doing this show. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. Okay. Because doesn't it, there's a perception I saw on Twitter over the weekend that there haven't been a lot of polls, right? Um, it turns out, I just looked, I just went and looked. There's the exact same amount of polls in the RCP average from the 1st of September to this date in September, the 21st, as there were in 2016. There were 19 polls in the RCP average at this date in time in 2016. And there's 19 polls in the RCP average right now for, 20, for 2020. So... And the call that we got from Raymond in Iowa kind of prompted me to go look this up. But I, I saw some, actually, I think it was, it was Rasmus and I saw a tweet about this over the weekend. that there was Your like new a, best friend. Yeah, <laughs> that there was like a polling drought. And I just looked it up. It's, it's actually the exact same number of polls. Here's what's interesting, though, when you look at it. In the last week, we've had two pollsters put out polls, though, with registered voters and not likely voters. And that would be The Hill and NBC Wall Street Journal did that as well. And they have Biden combined ahead by 14 points, so seven-point average apiece. Let's go back to the phones. Let's go to David in Virginia, where they might have the worst governor in America. Think of everything you hate about Andrew Cuomo, but he's also not smart. David, welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, thank you. I'm good. How are y'all doing? Better than we deserve, brother. What do you think about the questions we're debating and discussing today? Uh, I don't have a lot of faith in a lot of systems. I have a couple examples why. Uh, with the election system, I, we grew up in Northern Virginia. My dad was <clears throat> DEA, and when they retired, our parents moved to Maine in the early 90s. Mm -hmm. One of the first things they told me when they moved up there was about the snowbirds. So you would have all these people that live half of the year in Maine, New Hampshire, and then the other half of the year they live in Florida. Mm -hmm. So they would consistently, every year, vote twice every year because they'd move to their winter home in Florida. They'd get an absentee ballot for Maine or New Hampshire, wherever they live the warm months of the year. They'd vote there by absentee ballot, and then they would vote in Florida in person when they're in their summer home. So, I mean, that, that's been going on for decades. And, you know, we know various groups have found there's millions of uh, people on the uh, voter registration list every, all throughout the country that are dead and haven't lived there. And, you know, they haven't cleaned up a lot of those lists. Uh, I don't have a lot of 
faith in the elections, you know, in general, certainly not 100% faith. Um, and the other example I have is kind of tying how all these things, whether it's executive branch, judicial branch, whatever, and especially the two parties, there's no difference in them. They're about the system and the power. In 2002, we hand-delivered uh, four petitions to redress a grievance to all 535 congressmen's office, uh, to the White House, uh, to the Department of Justice, and to the IRS. And uh, there were four different subjects. One was on the 16th Amendment and the income tax. One was on the Federal Reserve Bank. One was on the War Powers Clause. And, uh, and then the fourth one was on the Patriot Act. A year later, we had not, you know, all those tens of thousands of Americans who had signed those petitions had not received one answer from any congressman a year later. So in 2003... Wish I could tell you, I'm, you're, you're going along here. Get to the, get, finish your point if you could. Go ahead, David. Okay, well, so my friend met with the clerk of the House, the U.S. House, and asked him, well, how come you didn't answer the petitions? You know, one of the things in the First Amendment is the petition for redress of grievances. And he told her, well, yes, you have the right to ask questions, but you do not have the right to expect answers. Yeah, that's why they're the ruling class. You're right on the money. Uh, it, points for honesty. And usually they don't just, they come up with a cockamamie answer rather than just telling you the straight up truth. Thanks for the phone call, David. We appreciate it. But I think David speaks for a lot of people. They just don't have faith in any of our institutions anymore. On September 21st, 2016, can you guys, so right now the RCP average has Joe Biden up by six and a half points. What do you guys think, just guess, what do you think the RCP average was? Because I just looked. What do you guys think the RCP average was on September 21st, 2016? Six eight, and a half points. Eight points. Hillary Clinton was up by 1.9 points. Ooh. On September 21st, 2016, she was up by 1.9 in the RCP average. Now, it says right now it's Joe Biden, 6.5. I don't believe Okay, that. so uh, let me just, let me get to my question, okay? Survey the environment we are in, the strength of the respective candidates, their messages, and their organizations. What the RCP average today is really asking me to believe is that Joe Biden is basically five times stronger as a candidate at this stage of this election than Hillary Clinton was. Do you believe that? No. Aaron, do you believe that? No. Okay. How can anyone not certifiably insane believe that? I mean, this is like, am I on crazy pills? Yeah. Okay. You're, you're trying to get me to believe that Joe Biden is five times stronger as a candidate today than Hillary Clinton was at this juncture four years ago? How is that? How, how can that be possible? How can that be possible? Well, someone, someone's immediate answer would be, well, Trump wasn't president then, and now he is, and he has a record. Prior to coronavirus, the record was the largest increase in median household income in America since 1968, and the most and the highest ratio of Americans 
in private employment in decades. That was his record. Prior to this. How, even throw it, let's throw in, because our show is probably, no matter how much me or Todd, or if I don't even know where Aaron's at today, no matter whether it's just me alone or all three of us want him or me wants him to win, and we're never going to be the excuse all of the things about his behavior that annoys us, the hells out of us crowd. We're no. never, that's never going to be who we are. So let's throw in that as a handicap. Let's just, let's just throw in that as a handicap. Even with all of that, how could you possibly make a case? Joe Biden is five times stronger as a candidate at this juncture in this election than Hillary Clinton was when Trump was a novelty. We didn't have any debates yet. Uh, he was a clown show. All the incendiary things, the disaster that was his convention. We had just come out of vote your conscience with Ted Cruz and all that stuff. Remember that? How can you possibly, possibly make that case? Because that's the case the Real Clear Politics polling average is making. It's, it's making the case Joe Biden is five times stronger as a candidate than Hillary Clinton was at this time four years ago. How's that possible? Well, the first, and 30. you've gone over this in the last two weeks, right out of the question, right out of the gate, your first question should be, where, where is that coming from? It's not coming from the black vote. It's not coming from the Hispanic vote. Where right. is it coming right. from? Even in all these polls, Trump is losing. He's polling better with these yes. minorities than he did four years ago. How is these things, are these things simultaneously true? Ten. How? They're How? Not. How? They're not. They're not. More calls in a moment. You know, the average American has 97 points they can add to their credit score and yet has no idea how to get those uh, get those points, how to get there. Well, that's where ScoreMaster comes in. It's the new credit science that super boosts your credit score. And you can forget just raising your score a few points. That's not how they roll. They go big or go home at ScoreMaster. The average credit user at ScoreMaster raises their credit score 61 points in 20 days or less. That can make a huge difference in terms of the interest rates you get on anything, whether it's a home loan, a car loan. Uh, if you're a business and you're looking for some kind of a loan uh, to fund infrastructure or to grow your business, that can make a huge difference, not just in the approval, but the interest rate and the quality of the deal that you get. All right. So you can enroll in minutes, see how many plus points ScoreMaster can help you add to your credit score by visiting this website scoremaster.com slash Steve. Now, what you're going to see when you go there is a lot of information you've never seen before and presented in a way that you've never been permitted previously to see it. Because you sit there, you're at the mortgage lender, uh, you didn't have a good enough score, we can't approve you, here's your credit score, and they're going through all these pages and you're looking at all these things and dates and formats, you can't figure out what it means. They're going to lay it out very clearly and simply for you to follow. That's their trick, is empowering you with the information, the real information that you have, not just the banks, so that you can do something about it. Scoremaster.com com slash Steve. Again, that's scoremaster.com slash Steve. All right, we are loaded with calls here on our Monday Town Hall. Let's keep it going. Let's go down to Florida next here at 888-900-3393. That's where Deborah is standing by. Deborah, welcome to the Blaze. Hey. Hey, Deborah. Hi. Um, sorry. Uh, so I have... Um, I guess what's an 
unpopular opinion to most people, but it seems to align with uh, yours about uh, McConnell. Um, with back in 2016, um, when he was saying that uh, with the Senate and the executive office being divided, um, that 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 there shouldn't be a, a nomination for a Supreme Court justice. Um, I think that that's unconstitutional because the branches are, of government are separate for a reason um, to be checks and balances, and it's not outlined that way in the Constitution. Mm-hmm. But the way that it's written is in the Constitution, the Senate and the president decide on the Supreme Court and like the Supreme positions and the Congress, um, they delegate on um, the lower courts. And so just like the McConnell's reasoning back then was very unconstitutional. And now it's like truly done a whole 180. You know, now the Democrats are on that side and right. McConnell's on this yeah, side. Yeah, now we're playing out a Who song right now. Yes, yeah. Everybody is everybody yeah, is flip sides. Yes. And you know why? You know why that happened? Yeah, you know why that happened? You, you, you've, you've already given the answer to it, uh, Deborah. It's because they abandoned the constitutional plumb line. See, the Republicans yeah. love, to make mis- love to make arguments on anything other than the principle. They should have just principally said, you can nominate anybody you want. We don't have to have a vote. We have the majority. We won't have a vote because we're not letting a Marxist determine the successor to Antonin Scalia. And so if people want if people want a Marxist to determine the successor to Antonin Scalia, they can vote for the Marxist uh, for president in November. But we're not we didn't get elected to a vote to, to replace Antonin Scalia with a Marxist. That just say that. But all the Senate collegiality exactly. and the consultant terms and everything else just sets you up to go back. And thank you for the call, Deborah. It just set, it just sets you up to go back on what you just said before. It reminds me in the Obamacare years. I used to just lose my mind on my show about this at the time. Well, we can't afford it. So if it was, if if we were running, uh, uh, you know, deficit, we weren't running deficits, but the budget was in the black. Obamacare would be less insidious, less unconstitutional. Then the Republicans just love to make arguments based on everything other than the principle of the thing. The principle of the thing is, we aren't obligated to consider any of your nominees. We don't have to. We, det- we can vote them up, vote them down, not vote for them. That's what we got elected to do. You can nominate anybody you want. We can not vote for or vote for whoever we want. And we're not voting for a, for a, a lame duck Marxist to replace the best conservative jurist of the last century. Thank you. And we'll see you, in, we'll see you after the election. That's all I had to just say that. But they gave you 75 consultant-driven participles and talking points instead so we can have the ridiculous exercise of nailing people with what they said four years ago over the weekend. Hold on, your mic is off. And that's why you don't have to worry about Ditch uh, you know, now being your new savior. All he is is not suicidal. That's it. I mean. That's, I, you know what? It'll, I, I want to have this moral dilemma. I will have a moral dilemma if on his record Mitch McConnell has... I didn't let them. I didn't let Obama appoint Antonin Scalia, but I did let Trump appoint Ruth Bader Ginsburg's successor. And right before the election, I'm going to have a real crisis of conscience. I'm just going to. Th- I'm already having it. I was already, de- dude. I'm cleaning up sludge 
from a backed up sewer this morning, which of course made me think of Mitch McConnell. And I was already preemptively having this crisis of conscience within myself. I am hoping that in the next 30 days or so, I will be fully, fully split. I'm, I'm broken within over how to handle my future dealings with ditch going forward. That's my hope. I want, I, I want that dilemma. I'm hoping to have it. Okay. Uh, you guys may have to talk me off the ledge though, man. I mean, I might have to, I mean, I might be in here cocaine Mitch t-shirt next day. I might be. It's funny you say that crisis of a conservative conscience is the follow-up that uh, Jeff uh, Flake is writing currently. <laughs> is that true? No. <laughs> You know what, though? It could be. It could be. It could be. It sounds like the self-awareness 2020 doesn't have it all, right? Back to the phones we go. Let's go to Joel in Texas. Joel, welcome to the blaze. Hey, Steve. Thank you for taking my call. I really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hey, uh, first of all, uh, there is no chance. I believe that a person that cannot formulate a coherent sentence is that far ahead on any polls. Uh, So I really don't. Uh, believe that. Anyhow, uh, regarding the RBG uh, question, uh, I I go back to the to me thinking, what would Chucky Schumer do in that situation? And you know, he will be doing exactly the same thing that that Cocaine Mitch is doing right now. So uh, that's that's what they do. That's what they like to play, and and it is what it is. Uh, regarding the the voting. Um, I've been urging uh, my friends uh, on on Facebook and whatnot uh, to either whether do you think Trump is going to cheat on the elections or do you or whether you think that Joe Biden will cheat on the election. Go and vote in person. Don't leave anything to chance. Mm-hmm. Just go and vote uh, and everything. Uh, now, uh, just hear, hearing what the gentleman uh, earlier said about Phil Murphy not allowing people to vote in person, then that. That's just another. Uh, that's another story right there. Uh, but I guarantee you, uh, they uh, will. Phil Murphy will, uh, of course, accuse us of uh, suppressing votes because that's what they do best—just projecting what they're doing on us. Uh, that's all I got uh, this morning, real quick. So uh, God bless you all. Uh, thank you for all you do, uh, and that's it. Thank those you. are those are really good observations, Joel. I I can't really, I can't really add to them. I think they kind of. Stand on their own. He got me laughing. Really, is there is there a better nickname in all of nicknames than Cocaine Mitch? Do you think if we had social media and today's technology during the first Civil War, they'd have done this to each other? Like you know, uh, we've got uh, Kentucky Bourbon Grant. You know, so we're winning. You know, I mean, well, cocaine gum was actually legal back then, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But you know what I'm saying? They you know, stopped like, at Stonewall. And we've that- got yeah, we've got the arsonist. All right, William Sherman, man, we got the. I mean, you know, would they have trolled each other? Would they have been above what we do today? Would they have been above it? Yes. You think so? Yes. I don't know. I don't know if they would have been. I'd I'd like to think that they would have been, but I'm inclined to think they would not have been. Might have actually been better at it than us. That's a comedy sketch waiting to happen. So, putting Twitter in different eras yes. of human history. Can you imagine John Brown's Twitter account? That he's banned. <laughs> John Brown is banned from flipping parlor, let alone Twitter. Are you kidding me? Can you imagine his Twitter account? Like nooses around Lincoln's neck. John on Patmos. Man, I had a really weird dream last night. Yeah. It's my Facebook status. 
Hashtag blessed. (laughs) 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 Let's go back to the phones. Uh, Let's go back to Virginia again. Uh, This is Dan from Virginia. Go ahead, Dan. Welcome to the blaze. Hey, Steve. Hey, Dan. Uh, Hey, I just want to run a scenario by you and get your your take on this. So Trump nominates the Supreme Court justice. The Senate doesn't confirm. They maintain eight members of the Supreme Court. The presidential election results are delayed. They end up going through the court system. It goes beyond January 20th. Nancy is appointed as the interim president of the United States. The Democrats grab control of the Senate. And then they confirm, and that member gets to go on to be the deciding vote on who becomes the next president of the United States. Dan, I don't know if you were listening at the top of the show. But in the last month, Dan, I've, I've had to replace my garage door broke. I had a false carbon monoxide alarm. Where we, the power company said, get out of your home now. We had to evacuate at six in the morning. And then today I woke up to a backed sewer line. Dan, I am in no mood right now. Are you trying to get me to cut myself, Dan, right here, live on the air? Brother, I am in, I mean, I can't, because the the scenario you're painting is max lit even by 2020 standards. And even thinking about it right now has me wanting to hurt people. You, You two together talking are like that classic scene from Saturday Night Live where Billy Crystal and Christopher Guest are nighttime security guards talking about the painful things they did to hurt each other. Yes. Like hitting themselves in the hand with hammers and... It, it, that was see. That. I was thinking of a classic SNL skit where the guy called uh, called up uh, Dan Aykroyd as Jimmy Carter's brother, mm. Billy Carter. All right, and he was in a drug overdose. You've taken some orange yes. sunshine, and Billy Carter knows how to talk him off of yes. his high and how to balance it out chemically. Do you have any Almond Brothers? Yes, <laughs> that's kind of how I. That's kind of how uh, Dan in Virginia is called. Dan, I, I just I don't think I'm in a place right now where I can even entertain your doomsday scenario because I think it's. It, it could happen. I, I think here's what I, you know what though, since you dutifully waited on hold, let me try to treat it as seriously as I can. What I think would happen in that case is I don't believe in under any circumstances, Dan, Donald Trump would just sit there and watch Nancy Pelosi assume any kind of acting role. He would still be the acting president of the United States. And I think he would just make a recess appointment to the court is what I think would happen at that point. And then we would have all kinds of challenges. Is this a valid? Is this a valid appointment? Can it occur? Uh, is it, maybe they'd have a lame duck a se- a session at that point to try to get somebody. But it would make the Florida recount. Do you remember those days? How edgy it was? Could this just go on forever? And oh, you know, I, I heard Beck say this the other day. We liked each other back then. Hey, you know that clip that was going around a couple weeks ago of uh, Rachel Maddow and Tucker Carlson yucking it up? That was on MSNBC in 2000, okay? We liked each other back then. We had family gatherings that weren't destroyed by politics back then. We we liked each other back then. And at the time, we thought this was going to be like the end of the republic, potentially. Remember that? Oh, yeah. But I could go in my hometown of Madison, Wisconsin, I could go down on campus, and I did, because I thought it was funny, and I wore my sore loserman t-shirt. Yeah, if you did that but, today, you'd, there'd oh, be a riot. Oh, yeah. You'd I, be assaulted by somebody. I, yes, I would. Yeah. See, this, this is going to be 
whatever the worst of that was. You know, to use a phrase um, that has become popular in 2020, unfortunately, by order of magnitude is what this election outcome will be if it's not decisive one way or the other on election night. Decisive one way or the other. I mean, can you imagine in this environment 78,000 votes over three states like we had in 2016? 78,000 votes in Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. Can you imagine if it's that close in this environment? Yeah, I can. I mean... I have to because I want to be ready. That's that's Fort Sumter, man. Yeah. That, that's what I think it is. Gentlemen, do you have any final thoughts on the conversation we had here today? Would you hear from the audience? Your own thoughts, et cetera. We have a couple of minutes. Go ahead. Well, I'm hearing the voice of people that could be the reason behind why the status quo is the status quo until it isn't anymore in terms of not having to worry about that narrow gap and why a convincing Trump victory could actually happen. I just, how, how can you tell me Joe Biden is five times stronger as a candidate today than Hillary Clinton was at this point four years ago? How is that even remotely possible? This is why the answer to your question about the polls last week during the overtime segment that we made available to the public. So I'll talk about it here. That's why it disturbed me so much, because it was the only Occam's razor solution, at least that I can see, at least that I can see as to why, what would be the motivation of all these otherwise well-respected, renowned pollsters to just, I don't know, mass hysterical, uh, hysterically just screw up their own polls unless they actually are putting their fist on the weight, unless they actually are putting their fist on the scales here, what would, be the, what would be the motivation for them to do that? And your answer disturbed me. And it was essentially because they're trying to set up the narrative that the election was stolen, that the election was stolen, which fits right in fits right in with all of the efforts we've seen in the recent weeks of game planning out what Joe Biden not conceding would look like, game planning out. And you, you, you heard about to Phil Murphy today uh, as well, uh, all, the, the mail-in ba- voting en masse. This is heading, if it is not a Trump landslide or a Biden landslide, this thing is going to get messy real fast. Yeah. I agree. And and folks, we're still going to have the riots. 30. Even if you don't have, let's say if, a, if, if it's a Trump landslide. Oh, yeah, for sure. You're, you're still going to have the rioting. You're still going to have that. Positive of that. Yeah. Civil War suck, man. They are on They are no indeed. fun. We're stick around do overtime for our Blaze TV subscribers. For the rest of you, we will see you tomorrow, yeah. noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.